Give it up for Rachel Garvey. Yeah, I am one of the pastors here. It's cool. <laughs> it's pretty exciting. Hey, y'all. I'm really looking forward to talking with you about our generous God and how we, as his children, live with his kingdom mindset. But to get us started and on the same page, we're going to watch a quick Bible project video together. So, guys, if you could roll the video and then I'll come back up. Invites you to a party. You arrive and there's lots of people, decorations, food and drink. There's enough for everyone. When you're hosted by someone that generous, you don't have to worry about your needs. You can just enjoy yourself and focus on the people around you. Yeah, that's what a good host wants for her guests. And this is the picture of the world that we find in the Bible. Creation is an expression of God's generous love. He's the host and humans are his guests in a world of opportunity and abundance. And we're called to keep the party going to spread his goodness. This is a beautiful picture, but it's not the way people experience the world. Rather, we find a world of scarcity and struggle, not abundance. And Jesus grew up in that kind of world, under military occupation, people losing their land or families to debt and poverty. And yet, he would say things like this. Look at the birds. They don't store up food for themselves, yet they have enough. Or consider the wildflowers. They're beautiful and abundant, and they don't stress about their existence. And you all should live that way, too. But surely Jesus knew that things don't always work out. I mean, sometimes there really isn't enough. And Jesus did experience poverty firsthand, but he viewed the world through the story of the Hebrew scriptures, which claimed that our scarcity problem isn't caused by a lack of resources. Rather, the problem is our mindset that God can be trusted. Maybe God's holding out on me. Maybe there isn't enough, and maybe I need to take matters into my own hands. And once we're deceived into that mindset of scarcity, we can justify the impulse to take care of me and mine before anyone else. And that leads to envy, anger, violence, and a world where it seems like there's not enough. The party's over, it's turned into a battleground. But God wants humans to experience his generosity, and so he chooses one people, the family of Abraham, and he promises to give them the abundance that he wants for everybody else. God will provide what they need. All they have to do is trust his generosity. And through them, the whole world will see how generous the host really is. But that's not what happens. Abraham's descendants, the Israelites, enter a land of abundance, and they promptly forget the host who gave it to them. They act like it's all theirs, and like there's not enough. And it leads to war and Israel's self-destruction. If I were the host of this party, I think I'd just give up. But God doesn't give up. What he does is surprising. He gives another gift. Another gift? Yeah, but this gift is different. What God gives is himself. All right, and Jesus, the host himself, comes to join in on the spoiled party. And notice, Jesus lives with the conviction that there is enough and that our generous host can be trusted. His mindset of abundance allowed him to live sacrificially and generously, even towards his enemies. And Jesus called his followers to trust in God's abundance like him. And that's why he said things like, sell your possessions and give to the poor, or don't worry about your life. He's inviting us to live by a different story, one that is built on trust in God's goodness and love. But living generously doesn't mean life is gonna go well. I mean, look at Jesus. He was betrayed by his friends and he suffered. 
And this was no surprise to Jesus. He knew that people would take advantage of his generosity. In fact, that was his plan, really. Yeah, think about it. Jesus knows that we're all hopelessly deceived by this lie that there's not enough. Yeah, that lie needs to be defeated. And so that's what Jesus was doing when he gave us the gift of his life. Jesus' death was the ultimate expression of God's generous love. Yeah, God's love can turn death into life and scarcity back into abundance. Or as the Apostle Paul put it, you know the gift of our Lord Jesus the Messiah, that even though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And Jesus called his followers to live like the real party has begun. Yes, he called it the kingdom of God. And our invitation to this party is yet another gift, the personal presence of God's own spirit that can teach us how to trust the generosity of the host, just like Jesus did. And when you believe there's enough, you start seeing opportunities for generosity everywhere with our time and money, our attention. Yes, one of the most important ways that we can experience the abundance of God's new creation is sharing with others because of our trust that God is the generous host. It's so good. It's just, ah, it's good. Get us all on the same page. We're starting off on the same foot here. I think God wants to transform our mindset into his abundant, life-flourishing way of the kingdom instead of the human mindset of scarcity, that there's not enough, I need more. I want us to explore this in an individual sense and then as a community, as a local church body here in Covington, Kentucky. So let's dive in. Um, so we just had it, the kingdom mindset beautifully painted for us by the, the, the video. And God is a good host and we humans are the guests. We are invited to the party and everything that we need is there. We don't need to bring anything. We get to receive and participate and engage in the party. So God's good kingdom was created in the beginning with humans placed in the Garden of Eden to take care of it. We had direct connection with God and his blessing to rule over all the fish in the sea, birds in the sky, and all the creatures on uh, roaming the ground. And he gave us every plant on the earth for food. And do you think that we had any need? No. <laughs> God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. The picture, this picture is really giving me like all the taken care of vibes, like all the good stuff. Like we had it made and then the sneaky serpent came and twisted our minds into thinking that we did not have enough, that we needed more. Isn't it the worst now to be like on the other side of the Adam and Eve story and be like, guys, stop, please, <laughs> don't do it. We know we have all we need, but you know, sure, we think we might not eat the fruit if we were there, but really, like, how much do I trust that God will take care of me tomorrow? Like, when it's getting to the end of the month and the budget numbers aren't quite adding up, like, do I trust that he will take care of me? What's it for you? Like, the scarcity mindset, how do you see that play out in your own life? And then how do we see the church living in the scarcity mindset? Like, do we think if we just had better knowledge or better theology or we had a better, I don't know, kids thing or more space, like would that be enough? Would it lead us to the fullness? 
I, I don't think so. I don't think that's the kingdom mindset God intended when he created the world because there's more. So how do we get his mindset? I believe it's through accepting the truth that God is trustworthy and it's through the Holy Spirit's power renewing or transforming our minds that we live and walk into that belief. But what's the point? Why would, he, why would we even want that mindset? If it's just to be happy that we have enough, that's not it. That doesn't satiate the deep longing that we have within us. Like, have you felt that deep longing before? Like, it's, it's like, you know, it almost is like nostalgia or it's something like when I think about it, it's not something I can put my finger on, but it's something I want more of. When I notice it sometimes is when I'm driving on 75 South from my parents' house in Mason, Ohio, and I'm coming back down to Covington, and it's dusk, and I've got a van full of sleepy kids, and I can see the sun setting just beyond the horizon, and I think, like, oh, this world is so beautiful. And then at the same time, I have the counter thought, is this all there is? Like, why do we have those two sides of it? As we look through scripture, I think that what we'll learn is that it's our deep desire to receive and to give, to know that we have enough and we are enough. And we want others to experience that enoughness too. The party that God the host invites us to isn't just for us to enjoy, it's for us and everyone we know to enjoy, but we gotta invite them to it. There are others of us who feel like we're giving a lot, but not from a place of abundance. Like, we're so busy and think living generously means that we should give more, but that is just so incredibly overwhelming. There's grace for you. I think about um, how God created the world, and every day he's saying that it's good but he was doing a ton of work <laughs> every day. So how do we get to have that mindset too as we go about our days and our full lives? I think um, what I mean, we're created in his image, so that gets to be for us too, that mindset. His abundant mindset is for us. Like Jesus says in John 10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I want us all to see how he's giving us full, flourishing lives. Perhaps you haven't fully um, surrendered your life to God. He still wants you to have that full life. Part of that involves laying your life down so that you can experience the fullness. It seems backward, right? Giving your life to receive full life, that's generosity. It requires faith and sacrifice. Life's not going to feel full without it, both. So here's a way we can learn to lean into the kingdom abundance mindset. It's a little countercultural thought not to worry. <laughs> Let's just not worry. That's it. That's all. You know, super easy. We hear Jesus in Matthew 6 share with his followers, why worry about everyday life? Check out the birds and the wildflowers. Aren't they taken care of? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? 
And then he answers his own question with, your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. That seems like an excellent way <laughs> to occupy our thoughts, push out the worries, because God already knows all of our needs. He provides and he never runs out. That's who he is because he never ends. He merely asks us to ask him for our daily bread. He teaches us to pray that probably because he knows we get stuck in our worries and we need that reminder. He's helping to remind us this day by day by day. Lord, give me my daily bread. That's the way of abundance. You want to hear a practical way he provided for me and Tyler <laughs> recently? Yeah, cool. Our budget. <laughs> our budget's pretty tight these days. And I was worrying about it after we put some of our expenses in last month. I was literally worrying about my daily bread. And then wouldn't you know that God provides? Um, apparently, there's a thing out there for kids that are enrolled in um, schools that have free or reduced lunch that for the past summer, they all received SNAP food benefit cards. And it was like they just got released and we just got Naomi's. And it was like almost $400, y'all. <laughs> like, it was so good. Like, when I opened it up, I just wanted to cry. Just that, I just felt his, his, just the gift he was giving me in that moment. And sometimes he uses snap cards. So that's cool. <laughs> so seeking the kingdom first is one way to help us change our mind. Another way to lean into kingdom abundance mindset looks at treasure. Like, yar treasure. It's almost Halloween. <laughs> Who's going to be a pirate? I don't know. Maybe I will now. <laughs> In Matthew 6, Jesus tells us, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. I had a pastor friend like give a sermon like 10 years ago, and this example has stuck with me all those years. He um, stood up here and he had this like vest he had created with a tether and a big heavy bag of stuff, and he called the bag of stuff his treasure. And so then he would throw the treasure around the stage and it would jerk his body with the tether attached to it. And so his heart was going wherever the treasure was going. And I was like, that was, was really helpful for me to see that visual. Um, the treasure, I mean, in that case was we were talking about money, but the treasure could be your money. It could be time. It could be our possessions, our attention, our bodies. Where it goes begin to dictate the desires of our hearts. We want to be careful with that. I think God is teaching us to pay attention. Notice where we're investing the treasure that we have, where our heart is going. Where are we storing our treasure? Is it yielding the ROI that we're desiring? Because the spiritual act of where we're investing helps reveal the desires of our heart. So let's take stock. Does where we store our treasure give us life? Because remember, Jesus said, I have come 
that they may have life and have it to the full. So if we believe what Jesus says is true, then our investments, where we're storing our treasure, should be yielding full lives. I'm not saying this to invoke shame or guilt in case you're feeling that way. I know I can spiral when I get into the mode of saying I should do this, I should give more. That's not leading to life. That's just the enemy twisting the thoughts and our intentions and stealing joy and stealing life instead. What I am saying is that this is where the Holy Spirit can help us renew our minds towards God's kingdom mindset of abundance because what he offers does not run out. It's full, it cannot be depleted because that's how we designed the kingdom. If our treasure is stored there, our hearts can't help but take on his kingdom mindset of abundance. The ultimate thief has no jurisdiction there. He can't steal it, and he cannot destroy you. So one, don't worry, slash seek the kingdom first. Two, store our treasures in heaven. And a third way for renewing our mind into God's kingdom mindset is pouring out our worship, which we just got to do some of that together. Tyler took my story at the beginning. He took two of my passages of scripture, so it's a repeat. I hope you remember. <laughs> um, in the, thanks, Tyler. Um, so in our house group this past Wednesday, we read through the story of Jesus in Luke 7, where he goes to dinner at a Pharisee's house, and a woman with a bit of a reputation comes in, begins weeping, and then tears falling on his feet. She wipes them with her hair. She then pours out the expensive perfume out on his feet, and it's this extravagant act of worship. In the practice video, we talk about it too. You can tell we've been really stewing on this for a while. Um, so in the practice video, we talk about that, um, how sometimes when we come to worship, it's that consumeristic thing. What can I get? And what we learn by this woman's actions is that worship is about pouring ourselves out. Sometimes intentionally, like pouring out a tangible good, like an expensive perfume. Sometimes we give of our money. And then sometimes unintentionally, like, do you think she came in and wanted to weep and wipe up things with her hair? I don't know. I don't think so. But it's just this unintentional thing that happens when you're in the presence of God. So we pour out our worship. How much do we know that we are loved? Because Jesus then says, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. So recognizing how much we have been, uh, we are forgiven, gives us good cause to live so much like how this woman knows. If that's not living with abundant mindset, then I don't know what is. Later on, Jesus tells his disciples as he's sending them out to practice this countercultural life, freely you have received, freely give. So just like the woman with the perfume, if we're practicing Jesus' way of life, we're called to freely give as well because we have received so much from the Father. So I want to spend some more time then, too, in Mark 12. This is verses 41 through 44. Here's what's going on. And Tyler said this one, too. (laughs) Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts, 
Then a poor woman, poor widow, came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. The story has so many interesting parts. Like one, Jesus is sitting next to the collection box, just kind of like people watching. And then there isn't online giving in Jesus' day, so you would hear the money coming into the box. And so there's the, the kind of commotion of the rich folks' money going into the box. And then the silence of the woman's like clink, clink, two little point, coins going in. Jesus calls his followers to him and he comments on all these givers. And when we learn that the widow gave all that she had to live on, it almost feels foolish at face value. I have a, like, I have a hard time with it. But Jesus thinks it's significant enough to mention it here. So what am I missing? She was giving of herself sacrificially. She's believing and trusting the truth that the Lord will provide all that she needs. Freely she has received, and freely she is giving back. This calls into question my relationship with like, what I have, because my enough to live on is apparently even more than I need. Is that hard for you guys, like it is for me? Following Jesus isn't for the faint of heart. It requires some wrestling and a, like a real like oomph of conviction to do what he says, to truly trust him. I've been wondering how I apply his example of the widow to my own life with the treasures that we have, that I have, my time, my energy, my body, my attention, my stuff. How can I live with an attitude of generous giving just like the widow? To trust that God is the generous host and trust he provides all that I need. I'm reminded of a story of a friend of ours here, Peggy. I don't think I see her tonight. But Peggy shared recently that one day she was out and about near her apartment and she encountered a homeless vet and she took the last $8 that she had on her and went and purchased a meal and brought it to him. To me, that's just like the widow. Like She gave sacrificially from her money and of her time. Sometimes it changes the reality of the story when we can see ourselves as one of the characters or see one of our friends that way. So who are you in the story? Are you one of the rich folks? Are you one of the disciples, an onlooker of what's going on? Are you the widow? So let me read it to you one more time and just see what stands out to you as you listen. You can even close your eyes if you really want to get into it. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. 
I want us to just really consider this generosity. I want us to call, I want to call us into a greater measure of it. Earlier in the Bible Project video, they stated, uh, Jesus lives with the conviction that there is enough and that our generous host can be trusted. His mindset of abundance allowed him to live sacrificially and generously, even towards his enemies. And Jesus called his followers to trust in God's abundance like him. I think that Jesus is pointing out that the widow was living like him. She knows the host, that he can be trusted, and that allows her to embrace a mindset of abundance that can be lived out in sacrificial and generous ways, just like our Savior. When we know our maker and trust his design, we seek the kingdom first. We store our treasures there, and then we can't help but worship him. We pour out our love and give our praise and gratitude of the creator of the universe. We receive and give. We give and we receive. It's God's cyclical nature and the mystery of how he does that, how he operates Sometimes it feels more and more clear. Other times I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> it's amazing. It's a mystery. And as I'm reading the Bible, I see how he calls us to rub shoulders with the poor, to give. And yet, as we do, we receive so much. It's living in his abundant mindset that there's always enough for everyone. This party is for everyone. When we operate with his mindset of abundance, like he created the world, we discover that the good things he created don't run out. His fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, they don't run out. Because it's not like, like, whoops, no more love, sorry, refresh out. Like, no, it's not like that at all. Generous living is wrapped up in how we live our lives, how we encounter the world, how we behave, and how we act in the world, engaging with justice and pouring out mercy, giving out love and peace and joy, just like willy-nilly, so we can. It doesn't run out. Because guess what? He wants to give that to us, his children. Because how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? So what do you want? <laughs> Ask God during this last song. So worship team, why don't you make your way up here? Ask God for what you want because he wants to give it to you. Receive that gift so that you can go out and give it away and give it away. Let's seek first his kingdom, store our treasures there, and pour out our worship. Let's get more of the kingdom party started and let's see how God breaks open wide our local church here in Kentucky. <laughs> As we, his people, give our lives away to him and to others around us. Why don't we stand if we're able? We're gonna pour it out to him and ask him for what you want. If you're feeling like the longing feeling, like there's something you can't put your finger on, ask your neighbor, ask if someone sitting next to you to pray for you. Or if during the song while you're singing, 
or asking the Lord like for the desires of your heart, have your friend pray for you too, because we're not alone. We're in this together. Our church is going to be one that receives and then we give it away. So let's worship. <laughs>